0: welcome to counterbalance conversations the program that enables and encourages you to make the changes you need to make a true difference in our world your host is dr melissa l strasser our hope is that by hearing from people who have stood out and made a positive change in their community their lives and their world you'll feel the need to do the same now here is dr melissa l strasser
1: Hello, and welcome to Counterbalance Conversations. I'm your host, Dr. Melissa L. Strasser, and I am here this week with Jessica Holsappel. She is an operations leader with a staffing and recruiting background. Jessica has been overseeing, growing, and transforming teams and organizations around the globe across almost every industry for over 10 years. In 2015, Jessica started SCG Consulting Group, to help entrepreneurs skip the hard time consuming and costly lessons that she's learned from over a decade of being in the trenches of building organizations, managing thousands of people, and growing a startup. SCG helps entrepreneurs build organizations so they can focus on leading, not managing. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate you joining us. So, Tell us a little bit about your story because this is pretty impressive. And you and I have had outside conversations about how you have built a CG um, consulting group and how it grew out of your experiences. And so, tell us a little bit about your story so the uh, the audience has a benefit of that.
2: Thank you so much. Um, so, I started as kind of an entrepreneur inside an organization, and I was working. In that company for many years. Um, it was fast growing, and I actually had a boss who had an entrepreneurial mind. So he was kind of given free reign to grow and set some milestones for us. And um, he took me under his wing, and we helped scale that company. Um, and then from there, I saw an opportunity to help train and grow. Um, staff in other locations, and so I took that opportunity, you know, developed the first operations manual for the company that had been in business for over 25 years, and through that I really just discovered I loved training, I loved creating processes, and um, scaling. So after that I had kind of dove headfirst into consulting, somewhat accidentally, and have been working alongside entrepreneurs ever since. Um, kind of supporting them from an operations leadership role.
1: That that is an amazing transformation, because as we um, have become uh, friends and colleagues over the last co- over the summer, so we've recently just met. I've watched the growth that um, you've started making. You've started uh, reaching out into more of a speaking, more speaking engagements, and really reaching out to a broader community. You mentioned uh, uh, intrapreneur. Um, for those who don't know about that, could you define that?
2: Sure. So the way I kind of define that, at least in my experience, was seeking seeing opportunities within in the organization I was working for and presenting those opportunities as challenges that I felt that I could solve. And luckily, I mm-hmm. was given the um, kind of authority to, to do that. So if I saw a challenge, I made a case for um, me helping solve those problems and I would tackle them and dive head first. So um, a lot of people think about entrepreneurship and I encourage them if they're currently employed to consider entrepreneurship because you can actually make a, a huge difference inside your organization and also take on the responsibilities of when things don't go right, how are you going to solve them? Uh, so all of all of the um reward of solving those challenges without all of the risk of being an entrepreneur
1: <laughs> right and it is a little risky as you both of both you and I know uh, stepping into that entrepreneurial role and over my career I've had various opportunities to be an entrepreneurpreneur in different capacities retail education manufacturing and um, have been given a uh, free reign to you know, reorganize, systematize, um, and grow different areas within the organization. And that kind of fits into what you do. Yeah. So what does SCG stand for? Yeah.
2: Systems, culture, and growth. Three most important pillars. And I say systems plus culture equals growth.
1: Perfect. And um, as a business owner, um I know we wanted to talk today about how do we make the team, um, you know, set the teams up for success. And I'm going to let you kind of take this and run with it a little bit, because I know this is your area of expertise. And you have you really have a fantastic way of growing teams and making those teams work and have the culture the pieces of the culture. So let's I'm going to let you take that and run with it on how do you set a team up for success? Kind of what are some of the steps for that?
2: Yeah, so I'll I'll speak to it from an entrepreneurial organization sure. kind of set point. So visionary founders are generally seeing an opportunity in the market, something that they want to solve, and they go out guns blazing <laughs> right. and go solve that problem or um, you know help that market gap and through that they are trying different things and they're iterating and when they're bringing alongside a team with them and growing alongside them it mm-hmm. um, they are bringing their team into their vision but they really actually have to hone it in and clarify it and you and I had talked uh, privately about tapping into our bigger purpose, our why, um, what makes yes. our us tick, our values, our personal values. So entrepreneurs really need to lead from that mindset of tapping into um, and really understanding for themselves where they're going, not necessarily how they're going to get there, but where they're going and what they, um, what they genuinely believe in. So when you, as a visionary entrepreneur or leader, really understand that, then you can articulate that to your team and get them in buying into the vision. So that's step one. Step two is really setting expectations. Um, Oftentimes, I see leaders that are just want to hire smart people and have them figure it out. And that is a really important piece. But We have expectations. We have expectations for when things should be delivered, how things should be delivered, how we want our customers to be treated, what experience we want them to have. So really refining not only the vision, but um, what your expectations are and making Mm -hmm. sure that you're setting the team up for success, knowing the expectations, clarifying Mm -hmm. roles, how do we communicate inside the organization? Once you set um, the foundation for those, then... That accountability checkpoints and things like that, then you can really start growing as an organization together.
1: Mm-hmm. So as um, let's delve a little bit deeper into some of that, because that as an entrepreneur, if you're used to doing all the things you're used to, you know, making the sausage, as they say, <laughs> and you're the only one, and now you have a team, and maybe you've worked on teams but they may not have been effective teams. They may not have been the most effective team for what you are doing um, and clarifying those values. And um, there's a couple of organizations that I've worked with in the past that are B corporations, which they have you know, very specific values about how they do business with other businesses, how they treat their employees, what they're going to provide their employees, uh, to make it a better environment than the what they came from.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, let's talk a little bit about how they can implement that, how they can talk about that, set that culture up yeah. to where that it's clear, and still grow and still yeah. get get things done.
2: Yeah. So I look at it from the lens of just being a human being. We're always evolving, mm-hmm. and your organization at any stage or phase needs to consistently evolve or it won't sustain the test of time. Right. So finding that that purpose and clarifying for yourself, but also really understanding yourself as a leader. What makes you tick? How do you like to operate? How do you like to receive information? How do you give information? And then also understanding that you, in order to have a well-rounded team, you need a different set of personalities people to complement your skill sets. And in order to, uh, to work cohesively as a team, you need to be able to collaborate. So if someone has a completely opposite style of you, but you know you need their talents, then it starts with you communicating what it is that is going to make you most successful in your role. And that allows someone else to share their perspective. From there, you can kind of bridge that gap. So for instance, would be um, any type of visionary leader, capital E entrepreneur. Those are the fast drivers, the I'll figure it out as I go type of people. And yeah. I am the operation side of thing. I'm an organized, detail-oriented person that asks a lot of questions. I'm the, you know, girl on a road trip that isn't just like a, yeah, let's go. I'm going, where are we going? What should I pack? You know, what weather right. should I prepare for? Right. Um And so when those two dynamics come together, you just have to share, what do I need in order to be successful in my role? What do you need? And then you can start communicating and start bending and flexing to each other's styles. When you crack that code, you can do that for each member of the team or each kind of uh, department. Mm -hmm. The communication flow works easily once you're communicating what your needs are and you're listening to what other people's needs are and you're doing your best to meet each other's needs, then you're building strong relationships that will withstand the differences in how we approach our work.
1: Yes. And I know we talked early on in our conversation about being Myers-Briggs certified and, and, you know, our types. And I am definitely the capital E entrepreneur. I'm the Let's go and solve the problem, and as things come up, we will solve them and, like, move and solve That's and great. move. Because I, in the past, I've been the entrepreneur that asks a lot of questions. I mean, I, I, so I've been on both sides of it, and I just find that this works a little better for me because I'm able to uh, problem solve and adjust, problem solve and adjust, um, where if I ask a lot of questions, I aim, aim, aim aim and I never pull the, you know, I never shoot. I never pull the trigger to go. Um, so for me, it, when I start doing that, it becomes a very um, challenging mental state for me, yeah. which for you, it sounds like, and I'm also the one on the road trip that says, let's just go and drive and we'll see what we find when we get there. And it'll be just cool. Yeah. Um, and it's a very challenging Challenging for my travel partner sometimes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and what you're describing is evolution, right? Yes. It's, you tried one way and maybe that was your natural instinct at that phase. Yes. But you recognize that it wasn't serving you. Yes. And so, you know, I I said the the road trip thing and it's a gross exaggeration for a story because I am actually very um, spontaneous as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but this evolution bringing yourself to change and adapt as necessary. So when I talk about, you know, two kind of polar opposite personality types or work styles, when you bend and flex, you're gonna start Mm -hmm. seeing the usefulness of how someone else operates, which Mm -hmm. is maybe more innate to them. Um, So I have, yeah, I used to be the analytical, don't pass go until you know everything that you're gonna do. And it yes. just doesn't life doesn't work like that, right? And, or it'll right. paralyze you, and you'll have analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, learning to bend and flex. So, I'm speaking to the entrepreneurs here. If you are leading a team, and you know you want it your way, your way has worked and got you this far. Uh, thus far, but you're at a standstill. You find that the people working for you aren't doing a great job or maybe you're experiencing turnover, I encourage you to kind of look to see where can you flex? Where can you ask more questions? Where you can can you see what other people need and where can you shine a light that could help illuminate some areas of growth for yourself? So I think we should all be doing that. And another thing we're talking about is really resilience, right? Adaptability. How can we change (laughs) in the face of knowing that, as a team grows, there's more and more personalities. There's more and more um, communication flow things that we have to check out. So once you're kind of uh, really learn about yourself, your values, you start communicating those on every level and across teams, whether you're reporting up, sideways, down, um, the more you can get that communication flow going, the more you can learn from others, the more you can build resilience and um, collaboration works a lot better that way.
1: Absolutely, and talking about the flexing and the resilience. If you are that entrepreneur, like I am, that's the the biggie, the driving. And you get to a point, and your people are not really being receptive, and you're being the big picture visionary. uh, Would you encourage, uh, you know, the entrepreneur to kind of go back and, as you said, ask questions, but really ask their opinion. And find out what they're struggling with and find out where their pressure points are, so to speak, and see if you can resolve that. Because oftentimes you either need to step back Mm. because you've gone too fast. Yeah. uh, Or if you can't step back, how can you relieve the pressure points uh, for these individuals? Whether that be, would you agree? Oh,
2: absolutely. So. The most, you know, the the big challenges inside an organization, so oftentimes I'll, I'll go in when things have escalated, right? And right. It's, and it's, we can't exactly pinpoint where things are coming from. And what you need to do at that point is literally just sit next to someone or in times like this, have a one-on-one or, you know, go into an individual uh, chat room and start working through what's your day look like? How's your calendar? What kind of things come up? what things are preventing you from accomplishing or being as successful as you want to be in your role. And typically it's these little micro needs or issues that get unresolved or become unresolved and they're the smallest little things that can be changed. Um, I don't have an example off the top of my head. However, it's like, Oh, well, all this person needs is this. And it's not even like a monitor, like they don't even need anything that's going to cost any money. It's um, Jim, Sally, Bob, you know, didn't respond to my email by Tuesday at 2 p.m. And therefore it held up a project for a week and a half or, or whatever the case is. So having an escalation path, you know, right. or better yet, just having your, um, you know, in the restaurant industry, we used to say manage by walking around right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to know how happy your guests are if you're not on the floor checking in with everybody. Hey, do you have what you need? Well, actually, I've been waiting for this water for X, Y, Z. But if you're asking your servers or your bartenders who are really busy, they're going, yep, we're good. We're good. And if Mm -hmm. you're taking that at face value, but not actually checking in on your customer, on your staff, and really asking them and really seeing what their table looks like, you're
1: Mm -hmm. not going to have
2: all the information. And they're usually really simple solves that can make Big, big difference.
1: Yeah, I and I I agree with that. Whenever I was working for a manufacturer and I was a tr- the training person, yeah. I would work a night shift, go down and talk to the operators, put on a hard hat still to get down and walk around and spend the evening just saying, "Hey, what do you need? What's happening? What's the sticking point? What's the issue? What's yeah. the challenge?" And I mean, it was such a valuable experience because. They would let you know, "Hey, here's what's not working for us Mm. um, on this shift," and a lot of times that was, you know, something that was really um, impactful for morale. Absolutely, you know, for them because they felt like, "Oh, well, I've not talked to anyone. Oh, it's amazing that someone came down," Uh, and it's a it was a great um, relationship builder. And it was something that I could go back to the management team and say, hey, look, we really need to um, do these minor little things, make these changes, extend these deadlines because X, Y, Z is happening. And it was a very easy, easy fix oftentimes.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. If you yeah. do a little bit of an audit and just manage by walking around, like you're saying, yeah. Um, there's been countless times I've been thanked and reached out to just because I asked how's it going right I really wanted to know and I got to the bottom and I spent the time um and when you gather that data so if you had talked to 25 people on the floor chances are you're going to hear this one or one or two of the same things over and over again so if you can solve one or two of those issues it's going to solve major issues because it's just impacting everyone
1: Yes. And I mean, the key from my perspective was to take that feedback and actually do something with it. There you go. Um, And I don't know if you see that often as well, that we get all this feedback and we get busy and then the feedback just sits on this notepad or this it's the suggestion box stays full if there's a suggestion box or and it's never addressed it's never uh the issues are never kind of given or ideas are never given seen the light of day mm. uh do you see that in some of the organizations that you work with as well
2: absolutely so often we think that just asking questions or just allowing people to be heard and nodding our heads is going to solve the issue you feel good they feel good right after you walk away from that conversation but it's not resolved until the appropriate action steps have been taken. So taking the information and saying, okay, what are we going to do with this? Sorting <laughs> out what's what's really actionable and what's someone's, you know, personal grief or gripe or something like that. And that can be solved in a different way. But yeah. when they're, you know, structural, procedural, um, managerial type issues, it actually needs to be followed through on.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. People
2: take these micro instances where you say, great, I heard you and I want to help you. And you walk away and you get busy and one thing doesn't get solved. It starts to break down the integrity of your word. People start Mm -hmm. to lose trust in your leadership. How are they going to follow you or how are they going to, why do they even want to spend the next 15 minutes or an hour with you after four or five of these situations where their problems never got resolved? Mm -hmm. So although I think it's always with good intention that um you feel really good after a conversation someone got something off their chest and you're there to listen to them if you don't actually follow that up with actionable steps you're doing more harm than good almost because now you mm-hmm. falsely promised them a solution and unintentionally you got too busy you got sidetracked and now they're like oh well i was told this was going to happen and it didn't happen um mm-hmm. so always make sure that you know you're you're taking this feedback and you're you're setting aside time to determine how you're gonna action it, what actually needs to happen, prioritizing the information that you've received and um, validating and vetting it with the appropriate stakeholders.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. And I know with um, the pandemic, there's a lot of people that have been working remotely um, and there are are things that they may be coming back into the office uh, needing to resolve shift, change, mm-hmm. maybe uh, readjust because, you know, a lot has happened in a uh, however long. year and yeah. a half, however long now. <laughs> Time isn't uh, nothing so, anymore. <laughs> exactly. It's like a year and a half-ish. Um, so a lot has happened with people not working in um, the offices and the individuals are different yeah. now as well. So from... Um, a business leader standpoint. Um, how do you recommend that they take their grand new visions yeah. after the pandemic? Because everybody comes back either really tired or really refreshed with all these right. great ideas, and especially entrepreneurs, we've sat at home for you know twelve months, eighteen months, with all these all this time to think about awesome ideas, right? Now we come back to the office and now it's time to implement. Mm -hmm. So uh, before we go on to our, you know, our bottom of the hour break, um, how do you think that, you know, business leaders can take that grand vision and translate it to something that the team can really take a bite out of and implement or start driving forward?
2: Yeah. So you mentioned one important factor, and that's there's kind of all sides of the spectrum of how we've all experienced this, right? Yes. And on some side, some of us have been given new energy and we're pumped. And on the other side, a lot of things have maybe happened personally, professionally, you know, whatever the case is. You've got this wide spectrum. And mm-hmm. so first, as a leadership team, you need to assess great, we've got this grand vision, we're ready to execute, let's tap yeah. into our team. And you're most likely going to find there's a wide spectrum. There's people that are like, I wanna get back into the office. There's people that I never wanna go into the office again. You're gonna find people that have, are still having childcare or school issues. Um, and you're gonna find people that are hungrier than ever. And again, every, everything across the spectrum. So it's just information, it's just data. What I find particularly in smaller organizations is that we try to bend and meet everyone's needs. But you can imagine that if there's this massive spectrum that we're dealing with, how can we address everything? And all we can do as leaders is have, the, have a solid vision of the organizational direction in mind, have mm-hmm. a commitment to your integrity, your values, your purpose, and guide your decision making through that lens. It cannot be through an individual lens. Um, it actually has to be through a cohesive organizational lens that says, here's how um, we've adjusted our policies and procedures. Um, here's the information we'd like to present. Have an open door policy for how that's going to impact certain people. But you, you have to have some sort of standardized procedure so that you're addressing um, the for the greater good. And then from there, you can take individual assessments. So hopefully that answered your question. That
1: that absolutely did. And um, we're going to go to our first break. And when we come back, I would love to talk about um, how to manage this flow of information on a global scale yeah. and um, how organizations can communicate the best way with their employees uh, as they're coming back and communicating these new grand plans and visions. So good. Looking forward to it. So we'll be back right after this break.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: The bottom line in business talk. Stimulating talk. Gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your
0: opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Counterbalance Conversations with Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Find out more about Dr. Melissa by visiting drmelissalstrasser.com. Now back to the show.
1: Hi, and welcome back to Counterbalance Conversations. Our guest tonight is Jessica Holseppel from SCG Consulting Group. And before the break, we were talking about... um, how the leaders coming back from the pandemic, people coming back to the office can convert these grand visions and ideas that they have to and translate it to the team. And now let's let's kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about, you know, so everyone is back, we have people working all over the world. Maybe you have a new future of work type environment where individuals are working remotely working hybrid, working in the office, depending on, you know, current situation, maybe they're really flexible. Maybe you have an entire new team because your team turned over during the pandemic. So um, one of the biggest things is communications with all of these different components of your business and all of the people. It's different a different way of working yeah. than it was a little less than two years ago. So, how do you, uh, in a global perspective, how do you control that flow of information, uh, or manage? I shouldn't say control, but manage the flow of information because control. I don't think control is exactly what you know. We're we're going to be talking about. But how do you manage communicating and communicating appropriately? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really Post good, pandemic,
2: Yeah, really good question. I'd love to tell you I have this perfect process that's fully adaptable for communications flow for a global distributed team. Um, but the more and more I talk to, uh, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, don't you?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm always trying. So You're every time I find there. a key. Um, um, but what I've actually discovered is we don't all operate by the same set of tools. Right? right? Particularly if we come uh, from different cultures, different countries, diverse backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And then with all this technology, we have these like unspoken rules of hey, what is Slack for? What is text messaging for? When do we get on zoom calls? When do we get on phone calls? And we all each have our own kind of set of beliefs of what works for us, right? Or right. What, what we took from our last organization or, how we use these tools in our personal life. Um, But if it's unspoken, then we're all operating on these different platforms at these different times. And what, um, and the other thing is there's so many new tools and companies obviously want to have the best tool available. That's going to streamline this communications workflow because making your business as efficient as possible is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. But we can't, you know, there, it, it's just happening in such real time that it's hard to have one clear set of rules. But what I will say is, again, this is where leader the leadership team needs to take a step back, take account what's working, what channels are we using? Mm-hmm. What channels are organically been working in particular ways? Who do we need to consult and get feedback internally from the team of, I really like this about Slack, for instance, or I don't like this. Um, have, you know, discussions around that. Is it breaking down workflows unnecessarily? Yesterday, I was with a group of people that talked about Zoom calls, and they've seen since the beginning of the pandemic till now, people turning off their cameras or Zoom fatigue.
1: You yes. know, there
2: is a lot of back-to-back-to-back meetings with no buffers in between. So it's yes. like having your full workday with no breaks in between. And, of course, we're trying to show up refreshed with the information we need on each call. And it's breaking down. So I yes. would say this is where you zo- zoom
3: <laughs> <Not> <laughs> zoom out
2: and figure out what's working. How can we yeah. uh, reduce the amount of communication and have effective communication? Which channels mean what? And set some standardization. A big topic of conversation I keep hearing is um, leaders – uh, sending messages that are delivered over the weekend or after office hours. Mm-hmm. This is a big thing for global teams, right? So if you're working yes. on multiple time zones, um, you need to at least be cognizant or conscientious that people might be out of work. And is the onus on the the team, the leadership team structure, to decide when messages can be sent, or is it on the employee side to decide when they receive messages. And there's a lot of unspoken inherent kind of assumptions that happen. And those types of things can build resentment and can build a lot of, you know, what ends up being a toxic culture. So Mm -hmm. really, if you just clearly define of, Hey, as a procedure, uh, we schedule our emails to go out at a particular time so that you receive it in during work hours or, Um, please make sure you mute your notifications or turn off your away channels and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you can start creating these workflow channels. So Mm -hmm. in my team, we started using um, project management software tool. Then we decided Slack was great for kind of um, immediate intercommunication. And I found myself trying to manage my own very small team of saying, Should I email this person, Slack this? Should I put it in this? And I do not like to operate like that. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. And also, if I need to find a project, I need to be able to go there and reference it when I need to. And so what I decided to do was just ask the team, what channels are working? What's not working? Do we need to revisit this? It's okay to pivot on these times as long as we're on the same page. And it's Mm -hmm. really easy amongst a small team. You can kind of make those decisions together. Mm -hmm. And as you're team is larger, you need to take in the information, but then again, kind of zoom out and say, what policies or procedures do we need to roll out? And then we need to be aware that this might change even as soon as the next quarter and just make sure that that gets communicated and that it gets adopted and and bought into.
1: Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you that there needs to be some structure around um, the different channels um, I, I'm hearing the same conversations uh, amongst my clients as well that um, leaders are are emailing at all hours of the night. They're, you know, which as leaders, sometimes you just answer email right. when you have time to answer email. Right. And it's not an expectation intentionally that you'll get an immediate response because you know people are are uh, on there, own time, but it becomes a pressure point is what I'm hearing from a lot of the employees of I need to respond to the C-suite employee that messaged me or my manager uh, when really I don't think the intention is that for many of the leaders. Uh, Also, the, um, you know, setting those hours and setting those time zones or times so people have that time, that free time, and they can set it as unavailable, yeah. um, encouraging people to maybe take their email off their phone mm. <laughs> or something like that. I don't want to say that for every employee because sometimes that's how they manage, especially if they're out, um, out of the office a lot, like sales or something. Yeah. Uh, but I'm hearing the same thing, and I absolutely agree with you. Uh, There's a huge response about Zoom fatigue. There's a lot of conversations around that. Uh, And because we've been brick and mortar for so long, for the majority of this, you know, of our working careers, this is just a new way of managing and working. Um, And some people like the Slack messages or the Google messages or the Teams message that says, hey, do you have that? And you go, oh, I forgot, thanks so much for that, that tap. But then others feel that's a pressure point.
2: Yeah, so good. And, and you have a decision as a, a leader to set the tone for this. So there are a few things you can do that um, can help you.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: one would be always assume positive intent. So when you get a message, we're interpreting it in our own heads based on all of our humanness. Yes. And we're taking this small little sentence and we're putting it through our our, our own filter. So right. a couple of things is to just assume positive intent with every type of message. I had, yes. a, I had a colleague um, a long time ago, and he would email me in the subject line in all capital letters, and then in the... In the body of the email, all capital letters. And as I read it to myself, I'm like, "Stop screaming at me!" <laughs> right. And really, he right? just had his cap locks on, and it was like not a thing. He was just typing away. Um, yeah. But you can assume positive intent. Another thing I do is I slow down. I slow down, and before I hit send, and you know, this really helps with your personal life too. Before you send yes. one of those text messages, is to slow down. And what am I trying to say? What are my expectations for a response? Do I need this now? So I craft my message in Slack or an email or text message, however I'm communicating. And I say, by Friday is great, or no rush, by the end of the next week is great, you know, or nothing needed from you on this, just information. And if you're copying multiple people, highlight, bold, who are you talking to? What are the other people need to know? So I get really intentional about the messaging, and I yes. really consider everyone that's receiving it. Um, and we all, like lots of us, I'm a detail oriented person, so I'm usually, if I can't read it in detail, I save it for later. Otherwise, I look, and then I try to be as intentional as possible in my response, my follow up. But some people are literally just skimming. So you'll mm-hmm. want to take that into consideration, bold, highlight, color code, whatever you got to do, but underline. Make, yeah. Make your <laughs> message and your, your intention clear. Yes. Um, and you know, if you're a leader, you can always say, does this make sense? Can you give me a thumbs up when you got this or shoot me a text? Give me a call. If you have any questions about this, or I'll check it back in with you at the end of the day, you know? So again, just yeah. taking the time to consider the recipient, Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the intention? What are you trying to get out of the message? Because otherwise there's a lot of assumptions that could happen.
1: Absolutely. And I know one thing that I like to to do when I'm working on it with a team uh, and we're working on a project or something like that uh, and I need something or I'm emailing, especially if, you know, there's those Fridays where you're just going through and doing all the emails, mm-hmm. following up with everyone in the, in the subject line, I say follow-up, FYI only, high-priority, hot. Yep. If it's something that needs to be done. And people start to understand that. And if I say low-priority, Friday funny, they're yes, like, yeah. oh, I'll save that <laughs> until Monday. So I'll need that on Monday. <laughs> um, but there's, uh, you know, people start to learn my mode of communication in that way. So when I say low priority, I really mean this could be three weeks down the road and you respond to me. If I say hot, it usually means somebody is waiting on something right now and I'm getting pressure and I can't get you on the phone or something else. So I really think giving some of those visual cues along Mm -hmm. with a lot of those intentional messages that you're talking about, I think are, is a great way to set them up for success
2: clarity is kindness
1: yes yes absolutely um so you know you also talk a lot um in our conversations about accountability Mm. um so we've talked about communicating so let's talk a little bit about accountability yeah and how do you create that type of self-accountability environment for people to work in
2: so important right yeah Um, It'll always go back to self. So as a leader, how are you holding yourself accountable? Mm-hmm. Are you following through on the things that you say you're doing? You're setting the example. So just mm-hmm. remember that whatever expectations you have of others, if you're not setting that example, you're actually setting the example that it's okay not to follow through. Yes. That it's okay not to be self-accountable. When you show that you are self-accountable, meaning taking ownership of your wins and your mistakes. You're following through on things. You're doing what you say you're going to do. Yes. Others will start to follow your lead and that will become the norm and that will become the expectation. So this is one of those things that really helps with either internal mentorship or coaching outside coaching of that needs to be developed. People need to know how to become self-accountable. You're not always born self-accountable, right? You don't always come in and, um, just know what that means or know how to execute it. So these are those times where I'll tell a little story. This might help convey, um, working in a small organization, everybody has a hat they have to wear. Right. And everybody feels it when that person is, is not there because it's a small team and you, you operate a very important role. So I had uh, worked for an organization and someone had to call out sick. This was pre-pandemic, but very close. So looking back, right. you know, I might have made different decision if it was a, a, a COVID <laughs> situation. But the person was out sick. I said, great, keep me posted. Please don't come back to the office if you're not feeling well, um, but keep me posted. And like, just for the records of your file, let's um, make sure you have a doctor's uh, excuse, et cetera. And then, um, you know, she said, oh, I want to take some work from home. And I said, no, make sure you're getting yourself better. Because once you get a hundred percent, then I want you right back in here. Right. And a couple days went past and um, she kept saying, well, I might come in, I might not come in. And I just said, uh, she asked if she could, you know, work the role from home. And I told her, I reiterated what her job description was and what her title was. And it happened to be managing a particular side of uh, the business. And it happened to be being on the floor and being responsible for um, essentially right. the customers. And I just said, this is your role. And these are the expectations. You tell me, you tell me if you can make it really make sure that you're feeling healthy and well enough to come back in. We don't want anyone sick. It's not going to do us any good if we all get sick. Right. But this is your role and this is the description of your role. So if you're not here to fill it, there's no one here to fill it. Mm-hmm. And that means these customers don't get served. And we can only do that for a temporary period of time before we need to fill this role. Um, and what happened was she actually came uh, came back. She kicked butt the next couple of weeks. And she pulled me aside and said, thank you so much. That was the kind of coaching and that was the kind of leadership I needed. Some people would either force you back into the office or some people would um, tell you to stay home or just accept that you're calling out sick. But when, Mm -hmm. when you give it to you, give that accountability to someone else and say, you make the decision. I'm giving you the information. You make the decision. That person had to be accountable for themselves and their role and their commitment to the organization. And they got to make the decision. Mm -hmm. Um, They knew what the consequences were positive and negative, and they got to make the decision.
1: Right. And I think self-accountability, I think when people have the opportunity to make those decisions, they have the opportunity to kind of see the criticality. I think it does a couple of things. One, it's a great coaching opportunity. And two, I think from a long-term perspective, it really shows them that what they're doing is important Mm, to the organization and to the team and that their absence makes a difference. Mm. So from an emotional intelligence and a team building standpoint, they know that their role is still critical within that team. And maybe they didn't realize that at that, that juncture. Yes. So that could give them that additional grounding into the team and um, feeling like they have a place within the team,
2: that which doesn't a,
1: always happen.
2: No. And what a, a great piece of insight that is, right? Cause that was actually, the real evolution and transformation that happened for uh, this person. When I highlighted the importance of the role and how it would affect the organization, it did give her a sense of pride of, no, that's my, those are my customers. I want to go and serve them. They need me. Right. Right. And it does serve the, the 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 point that we're all there and as humans we just need to understand that we're going to come to a time where that role was very stressful it just innately yeah. was there's a lot of people with a lot of needs with a lot of questions going on all day you do that 5 days a week and by the end of the day you're exhausted which could lead to um you know sickness if you don't take care of yourself and take care of your mental well-being so mm-hmm. uh, i think that um Sense of pride in your work and ownership over your role um, is such a critical point to keep us going. But also, as yeah. leaders, we have to understand that these things just happen. You know, right. people get sick or people get burnt out or whatever. So, also, just bringing it back to how important it is, but how important your your overall well being is, um, right, as well. And and you're solely responsible for that. I can't tell you how to take care of your home life, but I can tell you what the expectations are when you're here and how we from a professional level can support you in your personal life because you bring your whole self to work.
1: Right, and that's good to hear because a lot of organizations are seeing that side of their employees now that maybe their employees didn't bring to work before. A lot of my clients are feeling that everyone has, you know that your individuals that work on your team have families and lives outside but I think it has been punctuated mm. over the last, especially the last three or four months as people have come back into the office and um, they're coming back more authentically mm-hmm. is what I'm hearing. They're showing up with their whole self. And if they didn't show up that way before, employers are saying, okay, well, maybe this person has a stronger you know, line for promotion. And sometimes they're like, you know, individuals are coming back to work going you know that promotion that I wanted I really don't think I want it now I kind of Mm -hmm. like this because now I have the freedom and the time to say spend with my family or do more Mm -hmm. self-care like your your person said hey uh, I love my clients Mm -hmm. but you also said you know self-care and being stressed out is also not a a wonderful place to be
2: exactly now, yeah. And I, I remember an uh, interview you had recently where you're talking about Zoom calls and someone showing their, like, leopard slippers or something like that. And those are the little bits of insights that we're getting to see. What is, you know, you and I talking about each other's backgrounds and telling stories about, you know, a, yeah. a side of my life that you might not actually get to see if we were just, you know, in an office somewhere. You get to see right. like, my travel pictures and and we get to talk about the room that you're in and things like yeah. that. So it does yeah. actually bring another level of connection for us, just understanding that we're all dealing with so much. And I think that is the silver lining to everything that's been going on is, is recognized. And we were always bringing our whole selves to work. Now it's just a little bit more exposed, a little bit more, it raw. Is. but to me, it's better. It's better. It
1: time. is. <laughs> I think it is much more authentic and um, as difficult as it is for the individuals on the teams it's, uh, and the management team, I think over the long-term, once they get over this hump, they have these transformations. I think there's going to be an exponential growth across mm-hmm. all of the um, the environments. So um, we have about four minutes until the end of, uh, until we close. So is there, you know, what are, say, two or three things That you would like the audience to, um, that you would like to leave the audience with, you know, any kind of upcoming events or contacts, uh, words of wisdom?
2: Yeah, maybe a little bit of a call to action. Okay. So I think regardless of whether you're a leader, you're an entrepreneur, you're um, working inside your home and you're leading your, your home. You're thinking about solopreneurship you're a health leader, whatever the case is, I I encourage you to really take some time and and learn more about yourself. Mm -hmm. Figure out what your needs are now, yesterday, Mm -hmm. tomorrow. How has it evolved for you? And start making decisions based on that. Mm -hmm. And communicate that. So that's been a practice I've had is just getting better at communicating where I stand today. Yes. (laughs) How that changes from day to day. And um, it gives others permission to do the same. So, you know, you can lead with a clear vision when you, when you know uh, yourself better, you can operate in life that way. And again, giving others permission to be as authentic as possible and open themselves up and be, have a little bit of vulnerability um, is only going to help you in every capacity of life. Um and then as far as how you can find me or connect with me, I think, you know, my main channel is LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. it's just Jessica Holesapple, my name. You can find me on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect or follow with uh, follow me over there. Um you can also visit my website, which is systemsculturegrowth.com. And there's a contact form there. feel free to reach out. If you just Google my name, you can find my Twitter and all that good stuff too. Or it's on my website as well.
1: Perfect. Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation about um, how we can set our teams up for success. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some really exciting uh, speakers coming in next week. We're going to have Stacey Phillips, who's going to be talking to us about seven steps to financial security. And then starting in October, we're going to have some great authors, some individuals who are talking about how to Grow your teams and how to um, bring your teams uh, more authentically to fruition. We're still kind of working on that topic right there. Um, and I'm looking forward to future conversations with us together. Oh, uh, everybody uh, who has joined us tonight for Counterbalance Conversations. I thank you very much for joining us again. If you're new, thank you very much. If you are returning, I am grateful for your continued support. You can contact me at counterbalancecoach at gmail.com or simply go to the Voice America website under Counterbalance Conversations and you have all of my contact information there. My website is drmelissalstrasser.com and you can reach me through a contact there as well I want to thank you all have a wonderful evening and we will be back next week with Stacey Phillips
0: Thank you for listening to Counterbalance Conversations Be sure to join your host, Dr. Melissa L. Strasser, for another inspiring program next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next program, do something that stands out this week. Make a change. Be the counterbalance.